If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are talking about emotional abuse in relationships uh, in general, but also how that can relate to polyamorous relationships specifically, Um, that there are some different ways that people in polyamorous relationships might be more vulnerable to emotional abuse or maybe less likely to notice it or less able to get help with it when they do. Uh, This is something that's a tricky topic, and we're going to get into this more later, but it's something that's difficult to talk about because because most of us who are polyamorous want to represent it as positively as we can. Mm. Because to most of the world, you know, if you said, oh, there's abuse in poly relationships, they go, of course, because it's degenerate and terrible and, and, you know, you have no morals and so no surprises there. What what are you complaining about? Uh, So, but, I mean, to be really serious, though, there are there's it's still relationships and in relationships there's a lot of good and there's also a lot of bad that can happen and so it is an important subject to talk about sometimes and to be able to talk about and on that note uh, i'm emily i was gonna say no dang it she stole my joke <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. i was gonna do that sorry. okay yeah sorry you guys i'm dedeker and i'm jace and yes we do have to bring you kind of a bummer topic this week but you know as jace pointed out that is kind of the difficulty in talking about abuse is that, you know, people who are in kind of fringe relationships or alternative relationships have a hard time being able to publicly talk about the darker sides or the darker possibilities um, of when those relationships can turn unhealthy. (laughs) And then also, honestly, we've had on our list of episode topics uh, abuse for like centuries now. And it's (laughs) just like so much of a bummer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Much of a bummer that we don't want to talk about it. However, the thing is, it's still a very, very valuable topic yes. to just because of the fact that not enough people are talking about it. Right. Uh, so, Dedeker, can you start us off by um, defining abuse for us? You yeah. have that written down here. Yes, I do. Um, so, abuse in within the context of relationships is basically any form of trying to take control over a partner. And obviously that can come in up in many different ways. You know, most of us are familiar with physical abuse, you know, which is physically controlling your partner either through, you know, hitting, kicking, slapping, you know, all of those like horrible nightmare Mm -hmm. scenarios Mm -hmm. that we hear about in abusive relationships. And so that's controlling your partner, you know, with physical threats or with physical actual blows. Right. There's verbal abuse, um, which may not obviously involve any kind of contact between one partner and the other, but it can involve like insults or put downs mm-hmm. or extreme criticism or attacking somebody's self-esteem. Um, and so, you know, that's seeking to control the person by lowering their self-esteem. And frequently verbal abuse um, and attacks on self-esteem tend to get mixed in with other kinds of abuse as well. Um, when I was researching this section for my book, I learned about financial abuse, um, mm-hmm. which is a whole other thing, which is when one partner controls all of the money 
and basically very tightly controls how much money or how much income the other partner is allowed to have. You know, huh. It might be things like keeping a really tight grip on finances but allowing the partner just like a small stipend. allowance. Right. Exactly, yeah. like a small stipend, not Jeez. allowing the person to have their own bank accounts, not allowing the person to make decisions for purchases within the home. Um, so, you know, that's financial abuse. And then... The big one that we want to talk about today specifically is emotional abuse. And emotional abuse is, like, really hard to spot because mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit more amorphous, right? I mean, like, when mm-hmm. I tell you guys, like, emotional abuse, like, what comes to mind? Because it's not something that I think has become a big talked-about topic, at least on the household level, yet. I mean, um, I like, feel like it's something that over the past couple of years, the three of us have talked about a lot, though. Sure. So, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I do have a better sense of it now than I would have before. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, before, like when I hear emotional abuse, I assume more like verbal abuse. Like what I, mm. what I would have thought would be yeah. more like just yelling at a person or like always telling them that they suck or calling them names. I didn't ne- or necessarily like differentiate that. the two. Right. Yeah, but I can and see now they're, that they're definitely intertwined. For sure. Uh, yeah, they can all all of these forms of abuse can all come as one package deal or they can come separately or they can be mixed together. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah, so it, it it can be a hard thing to tell too and and we'll get into this later as well, but it's hard because you could have a relationship where you fight all the time and are always arguing and yelling at each other, but that's not abusive. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that it is kind it's of this tricky like thing to identify. Line. It's like with physical abuse, there's kind of this clear line of like, did they hit you? Sure. <laughs> yes <Yeah>. or no. <laughs> but with, yeah. with emotional abuse, that it's a harder thing because yeah. there's not this like clear marker of mm-hmm. when you've crossed some line into that or not. And yeah. so, or no, I mean, just to I know that we were um, talking about how signs of abu- abuse don't really show up until much maybe later on they don't always show up early in the relationship and so you think okay you know we're gonna be good to go here and it'll always be blissful um and they then when they do potentially show up they can be particularly difficult to spot Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean that's the thing is like when it comes to physical abuse like you almost never hear of somebody who started getting physically abused on like the second date mm-hmm. right you right. know it's like a second date, red flag. no one's gonna stick around and kind right. of the same thing with emotional abuse is very rarely is someone gonna start emotionally abusing you very early on in the relationship it tends to be once mm. the relationship is established and these patterns like the groundwork for these patterns has already been laid um mm. just to make a note on something that you said jace like i i've heard um both from people that I personally know who've been in emotionally abusive relationships and like from people who've written about their experiences on the internet, like I feel like I've heard a common sentiment of like, I mean, and this is really messed up, (laughs) um, but kind of wishing that like, I wish there had been such a clear marker like this person hitting me or this person grabbing me or like this person striking me so that I would feel like I had the permission to to leave. Yeah. Or to leave. Yeah. Exactly. Versus when this person is just straight up being an abusive asshole. <laughs> um, and there's no like tangible that, thing. Exactly. Yeah. But it can be really, really hard. And especially when part of the abuse has this mental and emotional aspect to it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, it's also difficult because, well, I, like that, the, the trick with emotional abuse too. And I think part of the reason why it comes on later in a relationship like we said, if someone were abusive to you on the second date, you're not going to mm-hmm. stick around probably. Mm-hmm. But it is also that 
abuse isn't something that people do intentionally. The the things that they're doing to try to control you might be intentional and thought out, um, but their their feeling of needing to do that comes from beliefs that they have, mm-hmm. and a lot of times from their own fear. Mm. And so it's yeah. difficult because they could be a super nice person and be mm-hmm. emotionally abusive. It's not yeah. just like, so again, it's hard to identify if in your head you think it's got to be this just monster who's awful all the time. Interesting, um, yeah. But it's not. Like, they could be super nice. You could rarely fight, mm-hmm. but they could still, you know, usually there's going to be some fighting. But yeah. I think part of the reason why this comes on later in a relationship is, one, you're more likely to stick around because yeah. you've invested more time already and more mm-hmm. emotion in this relationship. But I think also on the other side that once they've invested more time and emotion in a relationship, it becomes scarier for them. And so because of their internal beliefs that they have, these abuse behaviors are going to show up and they probably will not know it. Most abusers don't know that they're doing it because it's not based in ideas. It's based in beliefs, Hmm. which is why it's so difficult. It's interesting for you to point out because like there's very few people who are just naturally born like evil abusers and are just like (laughs) looking for someone to right. abuse to unleash you know? their wrath mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no one's thinking like oh i like i get off on abusing this person right uh-huh. unless it's like in a weird bdsm context but that's a whole other thing that's a whole yeah. other thing and that's, that's different because no control is truly being taken from someone sure. yeah. controls yeah. being given in certain situations yeah. even if it's like a 24 7 thing but mm-hmm. it can but it's being given willingly as opposed yeah. to abuse where it's being taken so yeah, yeah. how is polyamory uniquely vulnerable to emotionally abusive situations? Well, so this is an interesting thing because, um, I mean, any relationship could fall victim to becoming emotionally abusive, you know, yes. depending on the people in it and the issues. But polyamory specifically can really kind of become fertile ground for emotional abuse for a number of reasons. Um, the biggest one that gets talked about a lot is this term called poly guilt, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty self-explanatory. It's this idea that if you inwardly feel guilty about being polyamorous, as in if you inwardly kind of feel guilty that like, oh, my partner's just tolerating this, or my partner's still letting me do this even though it makes him upset or it makes him jealous. Like if there's mm-hmm. this internal sense of like, I'm getting away with something, um, that can really, really um, buzz around in your head until it's kind of this almost permanent state of guilt. And so that means that any negative reaction or negative behavior that your partner has can feel totally justified Mm. because you feel like you're the person who's getting away with someone, like you're the bad one. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, like they're justified to do or say whatever. Yeah, you're um, the selfish one. Because you're exactly, you're the selfish one who's doing these things well and and part of that leads into into our second reason here and that's that the abuser um often feels that they're actually the one who's the victim like we were talking about that it comes from fear and these beliefs that they have already um and so they'll try to control the narrative about exactly that maybe it is making you feel like you're doing poly wrong because it could even Mm -hmm. not just be poly guilt about being poly at all but Mm -hmm. maybe about doing poly differently than than they want to or that they do right now like they could change their mind about how they want to do poly and it's that 
they'll try to control this narrative by telling you that you're doing stuff wrong because they really do feel like they're the victim here, and which is why mm-hmm. it's it's so hard to identify sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, I mean it's hard specifically with polyamory because of the fact that we don't have a very firmly defined cultural narrative mm-hmm. for what a polyamorous relationship is supposed to look like, which is on one side a very good thing because um, it means that relationships can look all kinds of different ways. <laughs> right. But then in this situation can be a bad thing because it means that one person can step in and say like, well, no, like you're doing it wrong. The way that I want to do it is correct. Like mm-hmm. you should do this. You shouldn't do that. Like you should be feeling this. You shouldn't be feeling that. Um, and yeah. because there's very little to compare it to, at least from a wider cultural standpoint, sure. you know, the, the person who's on the receiving end of that usually can't, doesn't have much to argue with right. against it. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. I mean, going on from that, um, uh, lack of emotional responsibility, and then also gaslighting, mm-hmm. which is basically convincing the other person that their fundamental thoughts are wrong, <laughs> like convincing yeah. them that that they don't remember things the way they think they do, or you know, it's essentially like getting getting inside mm-hmm. their brain and like convincing them not to trust themselves. Yeah. Um, that that's something, I mean, how do you feel like that shows up more in poly relationships or, or can show up more? Um, I mean, I feel like it can be things like, like telling someone that they're overreacting or being, or like if it's something like, well, so what that I didn't text you like at the end of the night, like that's not the way it's supposed to go, which goes back to like controlling the narrative Mm -hmm. again. Um, which is like basically kind of like, you know, gaslighting is making the other person think that they might be kind of crazy. Um, or they're the unreasonable one. Um, and then, you know, kind of the flip side of gaslighting, which shows up on the other side is this idea of, um, putting all emotional responsibility on the other partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And so instead of saying to someone like, no, 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 like you shouldn't be feeling jealous. Like that's crazy. Or you shouldn't be feeling insecure. Like, or you're imagining things is saying to someone like, you're making me feel jealous. You're making me Mm. insecure. Mm, You're making me upset. Like you're making me feel all these things. Like kind Um, of playing the victim to a certain degree. Kind of, but it's, it's kind of like entirely putting the onus of your emotions on, on the other. someone else. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. this. Uh, well, it, we kind of talked about this in the intro. Yeah, I mean, the inability to talk about polyamorous relationships in a negative way, because especially like the three of us, for example, we kind of, especially to our peers, um, we're somewhat of i don't know <laughs> authorities on like the subject <laughs> yeah exactly well in, i mean it's hard like you don't want to necessarily talk about like the negative mm-hmm. aspects of polyamorous relationships because it is this new thing and we're trying to you know bring the movement forward and get it off the ground well and like i was saying before it's hard to talk to people about it that are not poly yeah. because like maybe your normal support system, which could be your family or some of your really good friends. Cause Very they're just going to blame all of the problems on polyamory. For sure. Like I've definitely had some times where I've, I've been racking my brain. Like if I'm, if I'm having a really hard time with something of like, who, can I who talk could to I about talk this? to? Like yeah. who, who could I call right now mm-hmm. to talk to about this? That isn't, one of my partners yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, but would still like 
get it and be supportive and I wouldn't have to give them I wouldn't have to talk for like two hours to give them all the backstory yeah. to, to like get them up to speed on this and a lot of times I haven't been able to come up with anyone me yeah. too um, and that's yeah, so like, me three yep. yeah yeah why we talk it all out on the podcast? Exactly, and that's when yeah. we get together. So for our listeners, you're the guys who get who get all the fallout from our right. emotional baggage. Exactly, but it, it is it is a great reason to try to find poly support groups in your area. Um, there's a group here in LA called the Poly Processing Group, which is huh. part of Sex Positive LA. That's mm. specifically for stuff like this, like having a place to yeah. talk about what's going on, rather than like philosophical discussion. It's like practical discussion about what's going on that's super cool. um, i haven't i haven't gone to it yet um but i'm i'm planning to check that out soon as i've heard really good things about it yeah. um anyway trying to find stuff like that is yeah is great. yeah definitely yeah. Uh, you want to uh, give us the last one the- dedeker yeah yeah so the last one um particularly in relationships where it starts out as a couple mm-hmm. as like a foundational couple who are looking to add a third person to their relationship um this situation is really, really ripe ground for abuse. emotional abuse to occur. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at it, like, you're already setting up a controlling power structure. You're already setting up that, like, the two people who are in the established couple, they have the authority, they have the power, they have the, you know, they get to make the decisions. Mm-hmm. And this third person is just supposed to step in and kind of fall in line. Um, and especially because right. of the fact when people try to add a third to their relationship, it tends to be all about controlling that third because Mm -hmm. like we don't want that third person to get between us we don't want that person to try to split us up we don't want that person to try to be with just one of us and so it becomes all about we need to control this wild card factor and again this does not come from a place like there's no couple who wants to abuse a third person Mm -hmm. very rarely you know it all comes from again fears and beliefs that like well we need to preserve our relationship and so that means that this other person needs to be kept in check and Mm -hmm. so that results in behaviors that are technically abusive yeah yeah definitely for a long time now we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy. Or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Okay, so to bring us back to talking about abuse, um, it's really easy, you know, when you start studying abuse and learning about abuse, um, 
to think that, okay, well, in order for my relationships to not be abusive, that means they need to look happy and healthy and perfect and jolly all the time. Right. And that's or, not necessarily going to be the case. Or people who get caught up on this idea of abuse, and so will label everything as abuse. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, of course, realistically, you can expect that any relationship is going to have some kind of conflict. There's going to be some kind of arguing. There's going to be some kind of emotions. Hopefully, if you're a good communicator and if you have good emotional management, that means it doesn't turn into anything abusive or anything explosive. However, you know, there will, there is a chance that there may be negative interactions in your relationship that do not count as abuse. Yeah, they still could be reasons to leave a relationship, Mm -hmm. but it's important to not confuse those with abuse. Uh, So, for example, being neglectful in a relationship, like, yeah, that sucks and can be hurtful. Uh, but that's not necessarily abuse. Uh, withdrawing from a relationship, that, that can happen. Someone can just start to withdraw from a relationship. Uh, being angry or upset, sure, people fight, people get angry, people get upset. Um, just because you're upset doesn't mean you're being abusive. Um, abandoning, meaning just leaving, uh, or being controlling. And this one's interesting because Yeah, abuse, I have a question about yeah. that one. Because yeah, that's, wouldn't... Like, that's how we've defined abuse is that it involves trying to control your other partner. So what's the difference between like abusive control and just being controlling in general? Right. So this is still a bad thing that, that should not, you know, that you don't want to have in your relationship. But the difference is that this is being controlling like in a way that you still have an option to say no to. And mm-hmm. I know that's a real amorphous sort of thing. Um, but it's about like being, being really demanding or being like really clear about like, well, no, I really want, you know, I need you to do it this way. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. Like that sort of being controlling in particular, that can often be tied up in, in emotional abuse, which is like then adding to it, like, you know, because you're, hurting me if you're not doing it that way or because you know those things that we talked about like convincing mm-hmm. you that you're you're crazy for wanting to do them a different way mm-hmm. uh, it's a subtle difference that a person can be controlling or demanding and not be abusive that that mm-hmm. that yeah that abuse is more about taking away someone's agency and taking away someone's power rather than like just trying to control them it's it's like taking away their power and exerting power over them that makes it abuse i see so kind of the being controlling aspect is like a person trying to impose their will on someone else versus trying to actually like disempower them and then impose their will on someone else yeah am i getting that right um yeah i guess like i think the easiest way to think about it is that being demanding is not abusive. It still might not be a good way to have a relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, you know, being demanding is still something that you can say no to or, sure. or choose not to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's kind of more upfront as mm-hmm. opposed Got to, it. as opposed to abuse, which is a little more um, just sort of, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> crushing and, and uh, you know, more, more gets at you mentally and makes you feel like you're a bad person for, not doing everything that they want as yeah. opposed to just like, well, yeah, they're controlling or demanding. It's, it's a subtle difference and neither one's well, good. Yeah. That's the thing. Like all these are still things mm-hmm. that you could be justified in leaving a relationship over. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just to say like, don't confuse them with abuse because the way that you'll want to deal with them uh, could be different yeah. because of that. Okay. So that's, that's the question. So how, how do you know when it actually is abuse? 
Okay, so so, so for that, yeah, I, I took some things, and we can all talk about these or, yeah. or read different ones if we want. But this is from a book uh, called Why Does He Do That by Lundy Bancroft. Uh, and Lundy Bancroft is a guy who um, specifically counsels abusive men. Um, so the point of view of his book is specifically about... Um, uh, abusive relationships where the man is the abuser to a woman uh, in a heteronormative relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. But he still has a lot of insights, and he's been doing this since, like, 1987, um, specifically working with abusive men, because, like we talked about, it is if you are the abuser, it's hard to identify that because it's mm-hmm. based in your beliefs, and you do feel like a victim. It's not like you know that you're being a jerk, and there's mm-hmm. not such a clear sign, like we said, with physical abuse or, like, you know, it's it's not as easy to identify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But some questions you can ask yourself to help determine if you might be in an abusive relationship uh, is, number one, is are you afraid of your partner? This is really interesting because I've definitely been in abusive relationships where I've been afraid mm-hmm. of a partner that never touched me or did right. anything oh, yeah. along those lines, but yeah. I definitely have been like... It was very, like, unsettling to be around them. Mm. And they Mm -hmm. scared me in various ways. Yeah. Um, Are you getting distant from friends or family because Mm -hmm. your partner makes those relationships difficult? I I would add a caveat to that one that not just your relationships with your friends and family, but also your other romantic relationships. Sure, sure. Yeah, Yeah, that's actually frequently what happens in emotionally abusive polyamorous relationships is that it becomes more difficult to actually maintain your other relationships. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. and they might not be like specifically explicitly limiting those things, but it mm-hmm. could be um, more just that they make your life so difficult every time you see those other partners yeah. mm-hmm. that, you know, you're getting more distant from them or feel like you can't mm-hmm. maintain those relationships. Yeah. Um, the next one is, is your level of energy and motivation declining or do you feel depressed? I've definitely done that before. I mean, <laughs> this one's hard too. Cause like, you know, yeah. for those of us who've dealt with some depression, like mm-hmm. sure. But I've also like, could be separate, but it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, has that started happening since this relationship? Exactly. That alone isn't saying that it, there's abuse happening, but mm-hmm. it's one of the signs that you could look for. Yeah. Um, uh, is your self-opinion declining? Mm. So again, like your self-esteem, is that changing over time in this relationship um, so that you're always fighting to be good enough and to prove yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that goes along with the next one, which is do you find yourself constantly preoccupied with the relationship and how to fix it? And do you feel like you can't do anything right? Um, I mean, it connects to the next one also, right. which is do you feel like the problems in your relationship are all your fault? Um Mm-hmm. These questions, I mean, to me, what they really indicate is what's common, especially in verbally abusive relationships as well, that mm-hmm. it's all about attacks on self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And the thing is, and also speaking from personal experience on this, is that even if you have high self-esteem, and if the per- a person that you love is constantly telling you negative things about you, right. um, and as much as like cerebrally and logically you can say to yourself like no I know that's, that's not, not true. true I know yeah. that's not true like it's so easy to internalize it without yeah. even realizing it mm-hmm. you know like because once that narrative is established that like you're the bad one or you do all these things wrong or these are all your character flaws it can be really really hard to escape that yeah and to think yeah. that there's just nothing that you can do correct in this relationship no matter mm-hmm. how hard you try or what you do yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've absolutely had times in relationships where only much later, 
looking back, mm. did I finally go, you know, I actually was justified in being upset about those things I was upset about mm. because I mm. felt like because of the reaction I got, like, well, I was wrong somehow. I was overreacting somehow or mm. I was making something up out of nothing, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which especially like we've talked about as poly people, we're into examining ourselves and personal mm. growth. And I think that also makes us extra susceptible to someone telling telling you like you're doing no you're wrong. wrong your reaction's like, wrong oh, I must be. it's yeah. like oh god you must be right yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's what i'm yeah. all about yeah um and then lastly is do you repeatedly leave arguments feeling like you've been messed with but you can't figure out exactly why um so kind of that that's thing of like how did that how did that get turned around like that by the end mm-hmm. or like why did i end up apologizing at the end when i was upset about something or you know that that sort of thing um. Yeah, and then so I guess just I want to say too that these are things that, um, it's not like a person is just an abuser or they're not. Like sure. you could also in poly relationships, you could have someone who is being abused in one relationship, and in their relationship with you could be the abuser, right? Mm-hmm. Like it it can go like that and someone might be abusive in one relationship of theirs but not in another like Mm. it is a tricky thing because there's all these beliefs and triggers and and fears that are behind it um so it's not like you know if if you know maybe you are in an abusive relationship but you see their other partners and they seem fine that doesn't necessarily mean you're not having that Mm. um you know. Yeah, or that you're wrong to be wondering, am right. I actually being abused here? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, or even if you're supporting them in another abusive relationship, sure. you know, you could be being abused in that relationship. Like, it's this whole thing, and it's it's really important to be aware of that, to mm-hmm. check in with yourself, and because ultimately you are responsible for having healthy relationships, for mm-hmm. for identifying those. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that... that just like an abuser will put any of their negative feelings on you, that they're your fault, um, that you caused them to feel insecure or you caused them to feel jealous or all these things. Um, but, uh, you know, also that the same is sort of true if you're being abused is you also can't blame all your problems on them. Yeah. Like you do ultimately need to be the one who takes care of yourself. Um, and hopefully you have a good support system to help you do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one last thing to point out about abuse is the fact that it can hide behind some very, very good sounding reasons. As in, it couldn't be like, you know what, like, I just want us to have a healthy relationship where we both feel safe. Um, And part of me feeling safe is exerting all this control on you. Or it can be something like, I just want to make sure that like our relationship stays primary. Nobody threatens that. And part of that means like controlling this, any other secondary partner that you want to bring in. Um, Or like we talked about, it could be controlling a narrative. It could be like, well, like I think the best and most effective way to be polyamorous means doing this, Um, which can all be really good sounding motivations. um, But then the behaviors behind them can actually be abusive, which again, like feeds into the whole thing of why it's so difficult to identify emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so, Lastly, though, we want to leave you with uh, this is from a a blog post by Ginny Brown on everydayfeminism.com. And it's that healthy and non-abusive relationships deal with conflict and hurt in ways that respect each other's feelings, needs and personal autonomy. 
So we wanted to leave you not just focusing on All the, the problems, yeah. but like what what good relationships look like. Yeah. Notice that it doesn't say never has conflict or never mm. gets hurt. It's that it mm-hmm. deals with conflict and hurt in ways that respect each other's feelings, needs, and personal autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in another in another article, I was reading that it's about being co-creators of the relationship mm-hmm. rather than you know, a, a power dynamic of one controlling the other, but that you're working together to create something. And that doesn't mean it doesn't have its ups and downs and all that, Yeah. but that you are dealing with them in these more respectful ways, even if you are upset. Mm-hmm. Well, that was we an, made it through that was an the summer episode on abuse. Uh, I know. Yeah. All right. But one. these are all these are all things I wish that I had known. Oh gosh, me right? too. Right, so long ago. Yeah, so yeah. Long yep. Ago. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That's one of those topics. Yeah. So kind of hurts to talk about because you're like, man, I wish I knew all these things. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hopefully, gives this to someone else. Yes, so that they're exactly. able to recognize these things, either if they're if they are on the receiving end of abuse or if they're on the giving end of abuse. Yeah. You know, sometimes learning about these things can really yeah. wake you up. To some things that you might be doing absolutely absolutely all right thank you all so much for listening uh please support our show by going to patreon.com slash multiamory um joining our group there have some really great discussions uh, and that could be a place for you to talk about these things if you are having an issue um Mm -hmm. to be able to go to a place like like our discussion groups or our private facebook group that only people who understand what's going on will be able to see and be part of that discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that could be a really great resource for you as well. Also uh, go onto iTunes or go onto Stitcher, wherever it is that you find podcasts, leave us a review. We would appreciate it like crazy. It really helps us to show up higher in search engine results and helps us kind of grow mm-hmm. our audience and bring this information to more people who need it. Yeah, absolutely. And we love reading them. And sometimes I cry if they're especially moving. <laughs> yes, he does. And then these guys true. make fun of me for it. We do make fun of you for it. All right. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. Thank you. Bye.